Welcome to Sailing Through Life, a journey to health, happiness, and living your dreams. My name is Lori and I am your host. My guest today is George, a father, cancer caregiver, and my husband. He will be sharing his story with us today. Join me as we set sail on this adventure to discover ways to take care of yourself, find the positive in life, and continue to dream even when going through some of your darkest days. Listen to my inspiring guests as they share their stories and give hope to help you on your journey. Having a family member get a diagnosis of cancer or other health challenge is tough. Becoming a caregiver to that person at that very moment is also a major life change. More than 50 million Americans serve as caregivers. 86% of those care for a relative. You are trying as a caregiver to be a strength, and that doesn't mean you have to be strong all the time, but you're also digging deep into yourself and wishing at times that you could remove some of the burden from the person you love the most. Today's episode is Finding Calm Seas in Turbulent Times. In this episode, we'll be discussing the importance of patience and communication, working toward balance as a caregiver, and finding hope on a journey you never planned for. Eleanor Roosevelt once said, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. I think that really sums it up. You're now trying to figure out a new life after being told someone you love will be fighting for their life. Hello, George. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure, Lori. What is your first thought when you hear finding calm seas in turbulent times? Well, my first thought, of course, is that it's going to be impossible uh, because it's something so new to everyone, and you're just trying to grasp every little straw that you can of hope and learn very quickly. But as the dust settles, you start to realize you're not alone. After the initial doctor appointment, describe the feelings you had leading up to the call from the doctor with the diagnosis? Well, I I don't really think that there was any concern um, initially that your visit to the dermatologist was going to be anything other than uh, a visit where perhaps uh, some liquid nitrogen would be used to remove uh, the mold that you had on your leg. And never, ever once did it cross my mind that we would be in a cancer battle for the next few years. So once you had that diagnosis, what happened after that? What process did you go through? Well, I remember getting your call. Um, I was done with work for the day, but still working on a large project that we had something going on together. And uh, I remember getting the call, and I knew something was incredibly wrong because you, quite frankly, didn't even have the strength to complete the call. Um, I could sense in your voice I needed to be there right away with you. And... Um, my thoughts and prayers when I heard the diagnosis of a malignant melanoma was um, still, again, something that was going to require surgery to remove. But um, I really felt like at that point, all I had to do was be by your side and, and give you what you wanted. And in most cases, that's just 
a hug. You'd rather have someone just be there for you, and that's really what I was looking to do. Um, when I arrived on scene and could tell that uh, you really didn't even have the strength to talk with your employer at the time about this situation, all I did was, quite frankly, pray for wisdom and tried to see how I could best serve the situation. And um, it was something that we did together, but I felt like being there immediately for you was the best thing I could do. And how did you handle the information at that point? Well, with subsequent doctor visits and uh, phone calls that we made, I guess prior to that, phone calls that we made that night, because the dermatologist, frankly, was a friend, and I had known him for many, many years, and um, I wasn't quite necessarily uh, at peace with what we were told at this point, and so we called him uh, after hours, and we talked as friends, and um, it was then that I realized that perhaps your diagnosis is something that was definitely going to be life-changing for both of us, but also um, reaching out for strength and praying for wisdom was about the best thing I could do at that point. I knew that we were going to have many doctor visits. I felt like we were going to be recommended very good um, medical professionals based on the friend advice, and um, he had actually worked with the medical team for some people very close to his life to help them through the situation. So I had I had real confidence in it, but again, you just don't know what the future holds, and you start to reach out, you try to use Google, and you try to read reputable medical sources, and when you read things that you are leveled by, you start to realize you need to filter things to the person that you love the most, the person who's been diagnosed, but you also know that um, you're just trying to be there for them in the best way that you can be. So would you say you were able to get through the surgeries and the treatments with a sense of peace or reassurance? Yes, um, partly because of family, partly because of friends, and partly because of it's all you can do. Um, you don't have a choice at this point. Um, you were not the first person in my life, frankly, that had experienced cancer, and um, I was very grateful that at the time, I thought your situation, your cancer diagnosis was something less challenging than some of my closest uh, people to me had faced. And um, I came to learn later on that uh, you were facing a very uh, challenging form of cancer. And I was very confident in our medical team. And with the confidence that I received from them, um, it helped me to be strong for you and that um, is something, though, that is not a steady uphill or downhill trend line. It's something that you bounce around daily with at times, depending on the situation. I remember early on, one of the greatest pieces of advice we received from a member of your medical team was every time something starts to turn the other way, the trend line starts to go bad, it doesn't mean that it's over. And um, we had to work together to get through that situation where life wasn't up or life wasn't down. Some days it was going to be average. Some days it was going to be up average. Some days down average. But we just needed to continue to keep the focus and what the medical team was doing. At what point did you realize that life and relationships had changed and become the new normal? I guess very early on, um, the new normal for us became living each day, um, taking and processing the information that was given by the medical team and understanding how it was going to be used to help you. Um, but 
the interesting gift early on in your cancer struggle was several things that lined up in the beginning that were very interesting. And quite frankly, I believe they were a blessing. Uh, One was that it took you a month to get to see a dermatologist. And in that month's time that we just figured everything was fine and life was normal and we would get some good advice and and the mold would be taken off, the FDA approved in that month's time uh, a very revolutionary form of therapy for melanoma. And really, I was told it had been approved a couple weeks before you had the option to use it in your situation. And prior to that, there were less effective or more side effect treatments uh, for some patients. And so we were very grateful for that. Um, But in the beginning, one of the things we both learned was sometimes the information that's presented and what actually ends up happening can differ. And that caused us to wonder at times, we had the initial understanding that perhaps the worst thing based on early diagnosis that we received was you would receive four uh, treatments of immunotherapy. And as we watched the onion peel being unraveled, um, it turned out to be a year. And we weren't sure necessarily why the change had happened, but we felt it was the best course of action in your case. So how did you handle the stress of all these changes? I think you reach out to people that you love the most, uh, family, friends, at times websites, at times a lot of prayer. Um, You are trying as a caregiver to be a strength, and that doesn't mean you have to be strong all the time, but you're also digging, digging deep into yourself and wishing at times that you could remove some of the burden from the person you love the most. Um, but you can't do that. You have to be strong for them and you have to be strong for yourself. And we did learn early on of support groups and websites and resources that were available for both the patient and the caregiver. And so that was comforting knowing that it was always some place to turn if it was needed. And so far, um, we've been able to to process this, and I've been very thrilled to watch you grow through the whole thing and realize that it's not something you have to keep bottled up in you, that there is help available, and so proud of everything that you're doing. Thank you. You're quite welcome. So as a caregiver and going through the original diagnosis, what went through your mind when you found out that there was a reoccurrence? Well, certainly, to be totally honest, you can't help as a human being not feeling a sense of defeat at the brief moment when that happens. Um, But having been to every treatment with you and hearing stories uh, being told in the treatment center, you realize that you're not the first person that's had a reoccurrence. However, we had, quite coincidentally, made incredible plans to celebrate the success of the year-long treatment and had just made major commitments for a travel trip to a dream location that we had both wanted to do since we had first met. And when you get all the details worked out and everything's all set and you're celebrating that weekend and that following Monday, you find out there's a reoccurrence. It's certainly the timing. Um, Again, you wonder why it happened in that way. Looking back on it, you're glad the reoccurrence happened after you planned the trip because the entire medical team 
immediately went to work and comforted us knowing that they're all on the same page. We had a timeline of about 90 days where surgeries could be done and um, we were still able to do our dream trip together. And so we always had that. And we, quite frankly, during our trip, talked about how regardless of what happens in the future, no one can ever take this trip away from us. And so it was really like experiencing heaven on earth as a couple, something something we wanted to do together. And uh, also knowing that this was part of the journey and we were going to come back and have some very real discussions with the medical team to try to figure out what the best course of action was. One of the interesting things that did end up happening um, as a result of the reoccurrence was that we did bring a bigger medical team in place and get more advice. And we didn't have to decipher all that information just as a couple. We encouraged the medical team to talk amongst each other to provide advice, but ultimately we made the final decision with our next course of action. And you sit back and you wonder, why is this huge responsibility being given to you that you have to talk through the situation and make life-altering or life-changing decisions with sometimes very little information? And I think the main thing to take away from that is whatever decision you come up with as far as treatment is that it needs to be something you're both at peace with. And I can clearly say that we weren't sure at that time if we were making the right decision, but for sure it was one that we were both at peace with, and I think our medical team was as well. Um, Hindsight, looking back 18 months later, it was the right decision. Thank you, God. So what was the biggest support role you had, and how did you support yourself through that? Well, I think the biggest support role that you experience through surgeries, through treatments, through side effects, through emotions, through whatever, is you try to jump right in and say, what can I do to take the most burden of life off of you and to assume roles that perhaps I didn't have lead on before? And in your case, again, very, I I feel very blessed as a caregiver for you because you process well, you rebound well, and you move forward well, but through other life struggles that I've experienced, I have known that I had been prepared that there would be times the crash would happen, and someone would basically realize their situation finally. And um, I think we both crashed at times, but thankfully they were at different times. So if somebody's listening to this episode today, and they're looking for some guidance or direction as a caregiver. What would you say would be the most helpful thing you could advise them? Well, I would definitely recommend, it's a great question, I would definitely recommend getting to know your spouse's medical team, uh, not just at a professional level, but if you can, dig behind that a little bit and try to ask them very, very fair questions. Keep in mind, when you look at your medical bills, you're going to realize they're billing a lot of money and they're doing that to save your loved one's life but we were fortunate that the medical team got very personal very quickly with us and um, that was helpful to understand what might my patient spouse be going through right now and how can I help them the most and you'll be amazed at the advice you get from your medical team Um, as far as what advice by listening to this your life is going to be different. 
your spouse's life is going to be different. Your, your mother, your father, whoever you're caring for, their life is going to be different. But realize there were points in your life where you needed someone. And that might have been when you were younger, or maybe it will be when you're older. But that is what life is. It's not all about amazing experiences and everything always being happy. But it's about magic moments. And you try to step up to the plate during those magic moments and be there for someone who possibly has no one else at that moment to turn to. And you pray for strength. You pray for wisdom. You hope that the words come out of your mouth help somebody. But I can recall watching Divine Intervention in struggles with other people in my life that had cancer. And there were times in conversations that I had with some of those people that if you knew them personally, if you knew them before cancer, um, they were one person. But after cancer, somehow, in some cases, in some ways, they became wiser. They became more patient. They became more appreciative. And you almost saw uh, a manifestation happen where, um, yeah, life is not normal anymore, but it's a richer life. It's, it's a more blessed life because the things you took for granted before, you no longer can. And so each day is richer and fuller. And it could be just having a nice meal together. It could just be having a hug. It could be having a moment where you look at that person and you realize you're in this together. And um, that's what I would encourage someone to do is realize you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're both going to make mistakes. You're processing something that you've never imagined you would have to in your life. It only happens to other people. Well, that's not true anymore. And so just be there. Be the best you you can be. What is your biggest wish or dream for your future? Oh, without question, my biggest dream and wish for my future is that it's a long, healthy, our future. We have so many dreams that we talked about as a couple when we when we met, and many of those dreams we've realized. But I remember in a previous podcast, you were talking about some things you realize you may not get to do in this life, but if you could do them virtually or with a year of COVID, uh, many people have had to reach out in ways that they hadn't prior to COVID as far as doing virtual experiences. And my future, I hope, is filled with a long, healthy life of us because we have so much more work to do and you have so much more work to do and so many more people to touch. And I know that you're doing that and you're going to continue doing that. And that is something I go to sleep with every night, uh, believing and continuing to believe that we have friends who have battled melanoma that are no longer with us. And we also have friends that have battled melanoma and have been with us for many years. And so what is the difference? Um, some people say it's medical. Some people say it's it's luck. Um, we have a lot of feelings about that. And, and I believe that for us, that it is something that um, is going to come full circle and realize that it happened in our life for a reason. And it caused us to appreciate, just like so many people are feeling during COVID-19, every single day is a blessing. With regard to patients and communication, what advice would you give another caregiver with regard to that? Well, I think that in general, you need to not be afraid to have an open and clear communication about what you can do to help that person the most. You don't want to assume that they necessarily want you to do everything for them because many times they're going to draw that strength that they need for this battle uh, from doing things themselves and keeping life as normal as possible. But there's going to be times when you see them facing a wall and you want to be there. And so I think you need to have that open communication. What can I do to help you the most? 
and then you figure out in your life how that's going to work out for you. And you're going to be a team and partner on this, and you're going to get through it together in a way where both of you come out stronger in the end result rather than you're actually overhelping someone and being a way to enable their weakness. So finding hope in this journey, what would be your main focus? When in, in my case, as far as finding hope, it's first of all trying to process why something like this might be happening and then realizing how the new normal of life has changed for you and your your loved one and trying to take your life in a new direction that you would have never envisioned before as a result of this. And sometimes that's going to be bad. Sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be great. And really living every day, trying to understand why and putting those pieces together in a way that it makes it a bigger and better, makes it a more successful journey as a result. Well, thank you very much, George, for being here. I know this is an unusual setup for a podcast interview because you're my husband, but I really appreciate you talking with me today here and sharing your journey with others as a caregiver. Well, Lori, without question, the pleasure has been all mine. um, You're doing an amazing job. Great to watch it happen. Yeah, you're getting a sneak peek behind the scenes. I hope you found today's episode informative. Thanks for listening to my chat with George. If you or someone you know would like to share their experience or know of an organization to help even just one person, please message me on Instagram at Sailing Through Life Podcast. I would love to grow this caring support community. Be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, or whatever podcast platform you use. I'd be grateful if you could leave a review and share it. If you have any thoughts on today's episode or topics you'd like me to further touch on, please message me at Sailing Through Life Podcast on Instagram or leave a message on Anchor. Thanks again. Chat with you next time.